0: We are continuing through Acts chapter 8 today. For several years now, there's been a television show titled America's Got Talent. It is somewhat of a variety show, if you will, since they have singers and dancers and acrobats and comedians And magicians. There's always a great amazement over the tricks of the magicians. The panel that judges almost seems spellbound by them. And certainly, the very first question that they ask is, how do they do that? How do they do that? But being bewildered or bewitched by a magician is not new. Maybe the illusions are more sophisticated, but they still are illusions. Illusions are making people think something happened that really didn't happen. I didn't put those documents in my garage. (laughs) David Copperfield didn't make a 727 disappear. He made it seem as if it had. He fooled people into thinking that it was no longer there. Magicians know tricks, and they know that they are tricking people it's sometimes referred to as sleight of hand. If I get you to watch this hand, you may miss what I'm doing with my left hand. When we come to Acts chapter 8 and verse 9, we come to a magician. A magician who was quite a celebrity. And as we view this passage, there are three S's. Since there are some who like alliteration, that will come out. There's sorcery, there's salvation, and there's suspension. And we first look at the sorcery. In verse 9, But there was a certain man called Simon, who previously practiced sorcery in the city, and astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was someone great. So we see this man's name was Simon, who in this place in Samaria used sorcery. The Greek word translated sorcery is where we get our word magic from. In fact, Simon is known as Simon Magus because that is from the the Simon the magician from the Greek word for magician. He had become somewhat of a celebrity throughout all of Samaria in verse 10 to whom they all gave great heed from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. This man is the great power of God. And as he would perform his tricks... He would proclaim himself as someone great, a divine purpose, prophet, or person. And by his magic, he caused many to believe what he did and who he claimed to be was someone who was of the great power of God. People from every walk of life believed him. In verse 10 again we read, To whom they all gave great heed from the least to the greatest. It didn't matter what social status they had. They believed what he did and who he was. It was rich or poor, learned or unlearned, high or low, it didn't matter. They were falling under his spell. But Simon was a phony, a deceiver. And at the same time, he was a bona fide celebrity. The people proclaimed that this was the great power of God here. The people said, when he did his tricks, this is the great power of God. Think about that for a second. How ludicrous that a man who used illusions and trickery was seen by the majority of the people as showing the power of God. as being sent from God Magic is nothing but deception. Sleight of hand. Getting people to think something happened that indeed did not happen. And verse 11 tells us this went on for some time. And the people heeded him because he had astonished them with his sorceries for a long time. i try trying to set this up because I want you to see there, because there is this tendency among others to, to say that well, Simon wasn't so bad and he did make a profession of faith, but we're going to look at that in a moment too. Simon was an awful man. Someone who makes their life and living out of deceiving people is no one else but an assistant of the devil. He knew he was fooling them. And his whole position and celebrity was built upon deception. Many years of manipulation through his tricks. And friends, in many ways, that's what celebrity is all about. Celebrity carries with it a whole lot of deception. You see someone play a certain role in a movie or a play And you think that's who that person is. But that person is not the person that they're playing. But they're making you think that they are. People think they know somebody. Oh, yeah, I've heard their songs. Okay. So you know them through their songs. Oh well, maybe. So I know Tiny Tim because I believe he tiptoes tiptoes through the tulips. So he must be a gentleman. <laughs> and so we see these people. Because of songs or movie roles or political position, we think we know them because we see them, but we don't see them as they are. Shirley was watching an interview, with, I think a couple mornings ago, with uh, Marie Osmond. And I don't know how old Marie Osmond is. But I figure she's at least as old as I am. But you know, she's had that weight loss program for all those years, and she comes out and she looks like she's 32. And you think, well, no, she's got to be at least 65. But she looks like she's 32. And of course, my question that I asked because I have no class was I wonder what she looks like first thing in the morning. see that's the thing when people are all made up we look at them a certain way as well if you ever watched uh, ABC for a while uh, 2020 and such when Diane Sawyer towards the end of her career she used what they called a, a filter and so when you looked at her you didn't see the wrinkles or, or the signs of aging But it was always interesting because when you looked at her, she she looked like she was in a little bit of a fog, but the person she was interviewing was in a clear day. But that's what so much of what we see around us is all about. Deception. And deceiving. But the great thing we're going to see here as as we proceed... His truth will overcome deception. It seems as if around us deception is winning. But we must remember we walk by faith and not by sight. And in the end, in the end, we know what the end is like because why? It's been revealed to us. The end has been revealed to us. We know it. God has said, This is how it all comes to an end. We know that. And in the end, what happens? Jesus is victorious over everything. Everything that stands against God, he is victorious over it. We see that truth then overwhelmingly wins. So my question is, why do so many walk around, so many who who are believers walk around, so dejected? Certainly what we see around us is often disappointing, but we know it's going to work out. We've been told, we've been given the end of the movie before the movie ever began. So cheer up. It's not like things are out of control. It's kind of interesting. I'd take this a little side road for a moment. But I remember someone saying, you know, if you were the devil, how would you set up a society? People think, oh, well, you're a devil, you just make it all full of chaos. No, probably not. He would set up where everything is very orderly. And everyone seemingly behaved themselves. And everybody thought by what they were doing, they were saving themselves. That they were going to be right with God. And and by following this and doing that and having everything nice and orderly, everything would be just fine. We we'll say, well, well, how do you explain today? Well, because he wants you to thank God isn't in control. So the pictures we get are nothing of but continual chaos. There's a man that's going to be honored tomorrow who would fit into this idea that we have the social gospel. If you're good, if you follow the example of Christ, if you seek for justice and mercy... You'll be saved. A man who had thousands upon thousands upon thousands that would hear him speak and he used the title reverend and he never spoke to them about the death of Christ for their sins. But use the title. You see, there's a lot of religious deception that exists. And people become celebrities. And oh, that's just so wonderful that this person is going to come and sing or be here around us or speak to us. And this brings us to the second part of, of this the salvation. You remember last time we saw that at the killing of Stephen, uh, people were dispersed out of Jerusalem. And one of these was Philip, who went down to Samaria and preached Christ unto them. In verse 4, therefore those who were scattered went everywhere, preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And multitudes, with one accord, heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. In what city? In that place. In the place where Simon reigned. Was the big celebrity. Where he was fooling all the people. Here came the truth. And the people were turning to the truth in great numbers. So the truth came and it came powerfully. No longer bewitched, the people were now turning to the truth. The day of salvation had come to Samaria, which really infuriated the Jews. If you look at Second Kings, you'll find what happened to Samaria. In the end, that was one of the headquarters of the northern kingdom for some time. And one of the kings that came in distributed the people who were in Samaria. He moved them out into other places and he moved to other places other people from other places in to to weaken the area. And so there there were Jews left in Samaria. What did they do? They ended up intermingling, intermarriage, intermarriage with those who came in from other places. The king saw that these people were not doing the religion like they should, so that he sent a priest to be among the people of Samaria. And what ended up was, you had a group of people who believed in the first five books of the Old Testament and nothing else. Not the prophets. Not the Psalms. Just the first five books of the Old Testament. Books of Moses. This, as we would see, if you remember from... Jesus talking to the woman at the well. Uh, Samaritans were seen as half-breeds and religious nuts. So they were quite hated by the Jews. Remember uh, one time we were talking, I think last Sunday night, that the the people in Samaria would not give Jesus a night's lodging because they knew he was going to Jerusalem. And we'll have more on that next week. But here in this place the truth had come and those who were in even greater darkness were being brought to the bright light. Philip preached concerning the kingdom of God we are told. And when you preach the kingdom of God you have to preach how you enter into the kingdom of God. And so it was the gospel of Christ and faith in Christ by grace the kingdom which was internal and spiritual, preached in the name of Jesus Christ, how Jesus was a prophet and priest and king, how that he was the only name under heaven by which men can be saved. And upon hearing this and believing this, many were baptized. And verse 13 tells us and Simon himself also believed. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed seeing the miracles and signs that were done. You can just imagine what it would be like in the church in America. I'm trying to think. Okay, think it. it what if Tom Hanks said, "I'm a Christian. Don't you know that people would fall, be falling all over himself, getting him to come to their church and speak? "Oh, Tom, come please speak to. You. Tell us your, your oh, tell us all about your testimony. Come on, oh, isn't it a great day for Christianity? We've got Tom Hanks. That's really going to make a big difference. People will now look at the church with respect because a celebrity. Is now part of our ranks. <laughs> That'll be such a good thing. And it, no doubt that there were many who thought, well, here's Simon who has held sway over all these people. Now he's come over to our side. But what about this? Well, Simon had spent his whole life deceiving people. And now he sees his power being eroded as these people begin to follow. The Christ We'd seen his fame now being overshadowed and it's easy to see that he remade himself into a seriously, seemingly saved soul. There are some who teach, looking at a passage like this, that a person can fall away from salvation, that a person can be saved one moment and unsaved the next. And so sometimes they try to point to this episode. You see, he said he believed and was baptized. But Notice as well the rest of the story. <coughs> Simon himself also believed, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip, which seems like a good sign. But notice what was happening. He was amazed seeing the miracles and the signs that were done. He wasn't singing, oh, how I love Jesus. He was singing, isn't this interesting? This fellow has a greater bag of tricks than I ever had. How does he do this? You see, he has a pretended faith. Simon made it seem like as if he believed that's how it looked, but again, remember what his whole life was based upon deceiving people and he he was convincing enough, even that Philip baptized him. People can be very convincing sometimes. And I remember one man who was seemed like he was very serious about. Believing and and wanted to be baptized. And I baptized him and, and a few months later he left the church because we had kicked Santa Claus out. You left a church because of Santa Claus? And that's not a real strong profession of faith to be standing upon. Religion was a big business in the Roman Empire. And one can see how in the Old Testament the prophets and priests of the false religions did quite well. They sat at Jezebel's table. They were well fed. They were well paid. As long as they did what the king or queen wanted them to say and, and do. And in the Roman Empire, the priests of the pagan religions secured lucrative temple positions remember Simon was thought of by the people even before Philip came as someone from God he had been trading on religion for a long time and what he saw Philip doing stirred his desires but then something else something else was also going on something else would happen if we turn to verse 14. Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. Who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had not fallen upon, uh, fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Now, next week, Lord willing, we'll talk about what's, what's being brought out here, but we're going to continue with Simon's story. Let's just make it clear. These people had received some, something of the Holy Spirit because they couldn't believe otherwise, but there were also miraculous gifts that the Holy Spirit was giving at that time to assure that this truly was a work of God things that happened in the first century that were no longer necessary afterward. And what would happen from this would be what we could call a Samaritan Pentecost after the first Pentecost for the Jews, and then there would be one for the Gentiles as well. So you've got this going on. Now, Now look at verse 18. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Spirit was given. He offered them money. Saying, give me this power also that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. So Peter and John were laying hands on certain people and those that they laid hands on received the Holy Spirit, not in a saving way, again, for that it already happened, but in a special way. A special gift-giving way, that these people would have extraordinary gifts of the Holy Spirit. And when Simon saw this, we see the effects on it. He offered the apostles money. Give me also this power, he says. Simon was showing himself to be one of the most lost people on the planet. Here's the world's thinking. Everything and everyone is a commodity that can be purchased. I can't help but wonder, did he really think that Peter and John had purchased this for themselves to start with, and so if they knew how to purchase it or what the price was, then they they could pass it on to him. He was thinking that everyone's like him. And there had to be a price. Certainly everyone has a price. Everything has a price. That's how the world thinks. Then we deal with the suspension. In verse 20, but Peter said to him, your money perish with you because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. You thought this. And because of that, You don't belong. You have neither part nor portion in this matter, for your heart is not right with God. Repent, therefore, of this your wickedness, and pray, God, if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are poisoned by bitterness (laughs) and bound by iniquity. Now imagine that. Someone comes to you and says, My heart's not right. It's poison with bitterness. I don't understand how God works. You say, oh, well, you're probably just a carnal Christian then. No, you wouldn't say that. You would say that that's a person who's not a believer. Now, Simon's heart did not go from being one place and one type in verse 9 or verse 13 to being totally different here. This is the same heart. This is the same man. This is the same man exposing the fact that he is lost. In terrible condition. His heart was not right with God. And again, it did not go from right one moment to unright the next. It's not possible that the God who, in like Jeremiah 31 when he announced the New covenant, says, "I will give them a new heart, but that new heart may be defective. Well, we wouldn't say that. We wouldn't say that at all. If God gives a new heart, what kind of heart is that? It's not one that's going to change with the weather, and it's not going to be one thing one day and something else. The next day. See with Simon. His heart was never right. And this is a problem all across time. Wherever truth is planted. Counterfeit plants will sprout as well. Last Sunday, we saw the enemy attacked from the outside, outside the church. Today, we see and have seen the second internal attack. Ananias and Sapphira were the first. They claimed to be great givers to the church. They lied. And here's Simon. The second internal attack that we see for the church. If we turn to Acts chapter 20, Acts chapter 20, and verse 29, as Paul is preparing to depart after having a time with the elders of the Ephesian churches, he says in verse 29, for I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. here the first will come in among you say okay that's from the outside but we continue reading also from among yourselves men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves therefore watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day the tears, from the outside and from the inside. John Newton wrote, through many dangers, toils, and snares, we have already come. It's important to understand and not be moved by sentimentality. Say, well, Simon meant well. No, he never did. No, he never did. He was an awful person. And it needs to be said that he was. We don't play horseshoes with souls. Oh, close enough. No, it's either a bullseye. Or it's eternal condemnation. Deception has to be exposed no matter who or what the source may be. There is a term that came out of this. It's called simony and it really infected the Roman Roman Catholicism more than anything else. Some Some of the Church of England as well. But it was the buying or selling of a church office or influence that let's face it to be A priest was a pretty good position to be in because he was, well, yeah, but they had to take a vow of poverty and chastity. Yeah, but they went around that and they had a pretty easy life. And so some would say, hey, this is a this is a great thing, a great racket to get into. This is how he will be remembered. And this is why in Sunday school, from this pulpit, the man who's, we strive for truth. Doctrine matters. There's a man who's going to be honored tomorrow. Who would never be allowed in this pulpit? And people say, Oh, you're just racist, aren't you? No, no, I'm not. Anyone who preached what he preached, no matter what color they were, would not be allowed to stand here because I care too much for the souls of you, of you people. And whatever the celebrity status where he would come in and say to you, Well, all you need to do is follow Christ's example to be saved what an insult what an insult to the cross (coughs) the son of man gave his life the just for the unjust that we might be forgiven that we might have a right standing with God that's the, the, the whole heart of the gospel yes we will Strive to obey the law of God after our hearts have been changed by because we love the Lord and we love what he has done. No question about that. But the moment people think that by their works they will get to heaven, they have done a U-turn and are heading the opposite direction. Watch out for the Simons, but rejoice for the Phillips. Let's stand together for prayer.